Where do I want to go with this? I'll learn. So I can't, I can't find my chew. <laughs> Hold on a minute. You, you take your time. Where the hell we, are don't need, we don't need the boss. We can run the show without him. Come yeah, on. We really can. <laughs> oh. And that's that's one of the worst feelings too when you can't find something. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody watching, if Paul doesn't find it in the next 30 seconds, you get to pick a lure off the wall behind him. <laughs> Canadian series. <laughs> there it is. What's up, Yens guys? Welcome back to Fishing PA with Ryan Reed. Guys, in this episode, we're going to continue on with our video casting, and we've got a few special guests for you guys tonight. Now, you guys know that I want to do this video cast stuff all winter long, and this is really an opportunity for me to get really talented bait makers, talented fishermen in our local tri-state area on to talk fishing and on to talk musky fishing in general. Now guys, the topic for discussion in this particular video is boss shad. So we've got a few boss shads here. I wanted to show you guys up front, really awesome four and a halfs. And we've got that little tiny crime boss. Uh, we're gonna actually have Paul Frustario, the owner of boss shad on tonight to talk boss shad lineup, to talk fishing and tell some stories. So going back to last year, I actually met Paul at Muskie Max. Paul has been super helpful with me talking about Boss Shad and the application of Boss Shads. And really, being that Boss Shad is a staple in the Muskie community, he makes so many different styles of baits and they've been catching fish for so long, I was super pumped to get him on to talk about his baits and really just to talk musky fishing. Now, Paul was able to bring a few guys on to talk boss shads. Now, guys, I have to tell you, I'm super thankful for this opportunity because Paul was able to bring on Mr. Kevin Goldberg and Vance Kalos. Now, a lot of you guys know Kevin Goldberg. To me, he's one of the best musky fishermen in the country. I've listened to just about every podcast that he has been on, including AZ, Backlash, and Road Rules. Um, I've always been a super huge fan of Kevin Goldberg, and I never had the opportunity or the pleasure to talk to him in person. So for me, guys, having somebody like Kevin come on with Paul, that's a huge deal because Kevin is such a wealth of knowledge, not only for musky fishing, but he's really just super awesome, down-to-earth local fisherman from right here in the tri-state area. Kevin focuses a lot in Ohio. He fishes PA, New York, and he fishes all really all over the place, up into Canada in the far reaches of northern Ontario. So not only do we have Paul and Kevin, but again, Vance. Vance brings another element because Vance also uses boss shads. Vance is a full-time guide with Muddy Creek Fishing Guides does some stuff in PA early season, and he's doing a lot of fishing 
on Chautauqua Lake up in New York. And Vance has really been one of those guys that has helped me learn and grow as a muskie fisherman, particularly through the opportunities I've had to fish with him. So I can't say enough about these guys in general. They are just well respected in the muskie community. They've done great things for the muskie community. And really, you know, Boss Shad is again, a staple in the muskie community. It's one of those lures that you can go to to catch fish all year round. So that's the plan for tonight, guys. We're gonna jump into this Zoom cast. We're gonna talk Boss Shad and we are gonna talk muskie fishing. Now pay close attention because Paul, Kevin, and Vance give you guys a load of information that's really gonna help you guys be better fishermen and really help you to learn more about the Boss Shad line and help you guys catch more fish. Should I do the goofy intro? You want Oh, God. All right. Do that's what you what, do, man. That's know, what makes you. That's it's right. like the, all right. <laughs> We're already last. <laughs> he, can't, he can't do it. Okay. No, he's got it. What's up, Yens, guys? <laughs> <laughs> All right, tonight we've got a few special guests on, and we're going to be talking Boss Shad. So naturally, we've got Paul Frustario. We also have Kevin Goldberg, and we have Vance K. Laws. So I'm super excited to have you guys on tonight, and we're going to talk all things Boss Shad. So that's the plan for tonight. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds good. Oh, it's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. All right, so basically, you know, Boshad, and again, me being still relatively green to the whole musky scene, you know, Boshad was one of those lures that stuck out to me a few years back. You know, it was something that I didn't have in my arsenal until the last couple of years. So, you know, Paul, some of the questions I have are geared towards that. And really, I think the first question I would have for you tonight, you know, is just out of curiosity. I've, I've listened to all of you guys on various podcasts, and one of the questions I had, was when did you start musky fishing and how did that lead to you ultimately, you know, creating Boshad and making your own musky lures? Okay. Good question. I started musky fishing in 94. Um, I got bit by the bug at a young age going to Chautauqua with my folks. We had a place up there. So I always fished up there and I would always see these big muskies you know, getting registered at the office there. And um, I started making lures right from the beginning. Um, I didn't start selling them to till 2010. Um, but I've always been fooling around with stuff because we didn't, there wasn't many things available, you know, just 11 years ago. It was just a handful of things, you know. And we were always fixing everything and, you know, so it was, it was time to come out with something. All right. All right. So that ultimately led to Boshad, you know, it was just the adjustments and, and looking for, I guess, that new type of bait. Yeah. I, I made a lot of lures be, before that, but I, I would always just keep them for myself. And um, I always wanted to have a lure company and then, you know, things had to fall in the right place to start. So. All right. And just out of curiosity, Kevin, I know you've been at this for a while in Vance too. Kevin, how long have you been musky fishing for? Uh, I, I first went musky fishing in like 93 with my dad used to take us uh, every year. We'd go up for a week 
to Stony Lake and the Kawarthas. And back then, I mean, he didn't have a boat. He just did rental boats. So we went up to Burley Island Lodge and rented a, you know, old rental boat and a little 16 foot aluminum. And I actually used to pay him. I think when I was that age, I'd pay him five bucks to take me into the dock so I could catch bass because I hated it. Right. I used, to, I, I, I used to tell him I'm smarter than this. And I know there's something you could fish for that makes a lot more sense. Cause we used to just drive around and catch weeds and stuff. And once in a while, you know, he'd say you got one, you'd bring in like a large mouth. He just trolled old South Bend Bassarinos with like 300 yards of mono out. But the point <laughs> is I could go and stuff and it got me, it got me started, but I, I was just about to quit. And uh, I finally, I think it was my third year of going to Stony without catching one. We saw some and everything, but I caught my first one three years into it. And uh, I got it trolling. And of course, I was like hooked, you know, I mean, bad. I came in and went right to John McBride's store and bought all the he had eight inch King Wiley's. I was buying them off the shelves. And that's I caught my first one on. It was uh, 45 and a half at Shimong Lake. And uh, I mean, it was bad right then. I went from getting rid of my musky stuff to actually let's get rid of all the bass stuff. Let's go buy all the musky stuff. And that was it. And I went like Paul will tell you, I went pretty hard. Like I spun you still do. Yeah, I was going to say, there's not really. <laughs> you haven't stopped. It started for me. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Vance, when did you start musky fishing? Man, it was, uh, you know, I'm going to be in the 2000s. Uh, I'm just a hair younger than uh, the two gentlemen uh, that are use that it talking for me. Use it loosely. <laughs> it is white beard. Come on. <laughs> I, uh, Chautauqua was it for me. I've been going up there since I was in diapers and uh, it was kind of, you know, relative to what uh, Kevin was saying that uh, we would fish for a little bit of everything. Um, but then you would see these, you know, big fish swimming around and I'd be like, well, can we try that? You know, as a young kid and we would do it occasionally, but I wouldn't last, you know, my attention span was, was short at that time. Um, and that's just how it went. You know, we would fish for panfish and walleye and bass, and that's what got you through it. And, you know, when you take kids up to a place, you kind of have to keep them interested. Uh, and then once I got of, you know, decent age where I could handle a pole and it's a short time ago, uh, you know, it was a jerk bait rod. It was six foot. Now rods are 10 feet. Um, and I said, you know, we're going to go out and do this all day and, you know, try it. And, uh, I was with my uncle, we were in a 16, 16 and a half foot Sylvan tiller, 60 horsepower. I thought it was like the fastest thing I've ever been in. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, and we went out jerk baiting and it was one of those days, you know, looking back on it where like the fish were just very cooperative, which happens often on Chautauqua, you know, you, you know, like anybody on this, this show right now they know when you when they're on there it's like you can it's hard to keep them off the line you just hit that window we just did it off of a whim and my first fish uh casting i remember my father had one following it was like a super shad rapala super yeah. shad that's yeah. what it was it was a perch color and i was using this jerk bait it was a orange reef hog it's actually in the back there in that fish's mouth um and it was a 52 first hey. friggin fish uh casting on That's chautauqua great. lake at the whitville point and i was like 
or Point Chautauqua, if you will. And um, I just remember saying, please, 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 please stay on, stay on. And I don't know how it stayed on. It was just one of those things. It was destiny. And, and ever since then, I mean, I was still in uh, high school at that time. And, um, you know, it was just everything I thought of was, was musky fishing, you know, classroom, uh, you know, missing a tackle on the football field uh, because my mind was thinking about the lake. And so yeah. I'm here today. Uh, that, that, that fish does that to people, man. It's, it's got a hold of all of us. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. No wonder you're hooked with a 52 to start, man. That'd hook anyone. Man, it was it was like I had uh, I used to have like luck when I first start something, mm-hmm. hunting, fishing. I catch like a big giant, mm-hmm. and then just one of those like where you just want to be like you know f you, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I've been fishing for X amount of years and I've never caught a 50. Stuff, <laughs> yeah. But so that was the first one. But like prior to that, I'd caught him on worms and bobbers and stuff like that. But to say that I actually went out and and you know uh, like hardcore did it, uh, that was that was that experience and uh, got me uncles to uh, to thank for that. So and now I'm working, making a living on that lake. So it's a lot of fun. That's cool. Awesome. That's awesome. You know, for me to hear how you guys got started between the three of you guys, there's so much experience on this call right now. You know, for somebody like me that doesn't have that, it's just, it's cool to hear how you guys got started and, and how the fish grabbed you. It just seems like it, it ha- that's just how it happens. You know, you catch a fish and it just, it grabs you. And uh, probably for, for life, I would imagine. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So uh, far. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, when I, if I go fishing for something else, I think of all the money I have tied up in musky fishing, and I'm like, <laughs> why the hell am I doing this? I need yeah. to be out in the lake doing it. And that's <laughs> besides taking my kids to the pond when they were little. I mean, it's so hard to do something else. I mean, I sold all my steelhead crap, and it's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. About the only other thing I'll do once in a while, I like to go for King Sam and I take my own boat up and I do that once or twice a year, but I just like the fight of them. And that's about it, you know, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk to me about how you guys met, you know, how did, you know, Paul, how did you run into Kevin and how'd you run into I, I met Kevin at, um, through the uh, Cleveland uh, Muskies Inc. Club. And uh, we used to go and party at Lake Milton Cabin every Friday or every weekend during the season and uh, him and Ryan and uh, I think Terry Nespeca, they, they stopped by one night and we all met and then, um, man, we've been friends ever since, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And we, so. it just seemed like we, uh, I don't know, it started with we'd fish together and then it was tournaments and then it was hanging out after and next thing you know, before going on trips. Yeah. That's really going great. on trips and, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's fair to say then, Kevin, you've been using Bosch ads for quite a while then. Yeah, I was actually part of the first Bosch ad catch ever. Actually, we mm-hmm. uh, the the first time ever, just funny, because like Paul said, he's made baits for a long time. But those ones he just had for himself, different models. And we used a few of them and they all worked. We caught fish on numerous models. But uh, 
The first time he actually brought an actual Bosch out, I remember it was a golden sucker one that caught the first one, like a wild sucker pattern, got the first one. We went to West Branch in June and just went to test them, really. That's all we brought. And, I, think uh, I, had, I think I had five. Yeah, you did. You had a fire tiger and a couple others. Well, we go out just to test them. And uh, sure enough, like my buddies are out in the lake, Tad Martinez, a couple other guys I know were out there. And uh, the rod goes off not long out there. And it was Boshad. He comes running and grabs that first one. I think it was a 42 was the first one ever. And uh, I'm like, oh, this is a good sign here. I mean, it wasn't long. Well, it ended up being just crazy for us that day. We ended up going 10 for 13. And on Ohio Reservoir, that's a good day. And, and we that was, you know. I got to interrupt you for a minute. That was 11 years ago. So that lake wasn't crazy like it is now either. That's true. Yeah. That might be the most pressured lake I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really bad now. Um, but it was just funny because then I'm getting messages while we're on the water. And he goes, man, you think these are going to go? I said, oh, yeah, I'm already getting messages. Guys are wondering if you're going to make some for sale. You know, we get off the lake and there they were talking to us at the ramp. So it was cool to be part of that. And like the only thing I noticed as a difference when we first put them in the water was they have like more of a sachet than a lot of other baits. They, they dance around more like from that time frame, a lot of the shad baits, a lot of them were straight runners, which nothing wrong with that. They just were, they were straight runners. And even the old monster shads that were a little erratic, they were kind of, you know, you had to worry if you'd reel in just the lip of a fish hit them. So this was wow. actually musky built. But when I watched the rod tip dancing, I was like, oh, he got something there. And sure enough, that was the first time we ever actually used true Boss Shad with the original P on the bottom of the baits. So it was cool. It's cool to be a part of that. It used to take me uh, two weeks to make 20 baits. <laughs> Crazy. Two yeah. weeks, a whole two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's nuts. It is. Yeah. Come a long way in a, in a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, just, that was uh, just 10 years ago. Uh, 11, it'll be 11. Well, this year will be 11, or this year is 11. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, you, you talk about the monster shad and you talk about, you know, those other little shad baits and things like that. Back then, and what I see in like the archives and old videos and stuff that I'll pull out, mm -hmm. it was giant baits that people were using. Um, extremely large baits periwinkles um uh -huh. and things of that nature i mean just monstrous baits like 12 inch plus that's what everybody used mm -hmm. and it's i always just think it there was um a hilarious uh video of the uh at chautauqua lake it was the can-am it was um you know america versus canada essentially the championship and they had it on on uh you know video and you would see these guys fishing and they were all enormous baits um and in just old school stuff but then you jump like 10 years ahead of that and now it is little shad baits and i think when i'm out there i'm like would i have as much success you know can can i run these giant baits all the time i mean they hit them x amount of years ago why wouldn't they work anymore well, back, like... back back in the day vance that's all we used at chautauqua is big bait mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and the lake was different too like if, i was gonna tell you vance if you ever want a copy of that i have that can-am you're talking about i could burn <laughs> you a copy. i uh, i, I burned i i got it off of todd and oh, did uh, you? yeah i mean i mean it's freaking hilarious amazing i i think i might have made one for todd you did i did i brought it to the podcast that's right 
Yeah, the and big, I wa- yeah, the, I've watched the it big, re- religiously. The big Penzi Pikes were on that video, and and back then the lake was different too, because like when we were trolling it a lot in the north end, I remember years ago, uh, we wouldn't see the big giant clouds. There wasn't all the um, uh, the emerald wow. diners, and there was always tons of perch in there. But back then there used to be a lot of big carp, and when you'd be out trolling the open water, you'd find like what looked like walleye marks, and you'd see the gar. And you'd mm-hmm. see some big carp and stuff, but what you didn't see was these clouds of bait everywhere. Not not mm-hmm. when we were first doing the deep water thing. Remember that? It was different. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. So it seemed almost like a couple of things changed. And like like you said, I've tried it now. We've caught some on them, but not nearly as good as you're going to do on the little stuff. Not even close. I don't think. Because you think of that, and you guys, uh, you know, came up, you know, probably ten years prior to to what I did mm-hmm. uh, and you know you just think musky baits and you think giant baits yeah and then uh, you know we're going out there and doing it uh, and we're using you know really tiny stuff on these inland bodies of water and uh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's uh, cool to see that that transition but I think it comes down to that action of the bait um, and I can uh, you know, I completely agree with, with that boss hat and it's unique, uh, shimmer in the water, uh, that, that, that triggers that strike. It doesn't matter um, <clears throat> you know, if it's 14 inches long or if it's a four and a half. Um, yeah. It's really, really cool to see. I can remember going there for weekends and only using plows. That's it. That's all I I hope it doesn't change on these inland bodies of water because, you know, I just have so much, like you guys said, invested in these small baits. Well, it'd be hard to do a six-rod spread with big baits. <laughs> That's it true. Be. It would yeah. be true. We would figure it out, though. We would figure yeah. out a way. You know, and I, I said something that's happened is like with the big bait thing. I think back years ago when we were trolling it and they hit those big baits, there wasn't as much food. The fish were still built nice, but I find the fish at Chautauqua lately are fatter just on average. There's more food you could just tell. So I always describe the small baits like a holiday Snickers. Even if you guys just ate a steak dinner, someone offered you a king size Snickers, you're like, I'm going to pass. But those little holiday squares, you'll always grab one of those, even if you just ate. That's honestly how I describe the small bait. It is. Because you know? even if you have a lot of food around, a little bait goes dancing by, you still might go grab that, you know? I don't know. That's what I think. But That's amazing. So just really quick, Paul, like how did you how did, how did you and Vance hook up as far as you know Bosch oh. Patton in general? I'm just you curious. Know, I was thinking about that, Vance. I think I was just introduced. Is it Bed Bath and Beyond we met? Oh. <laughs> I caught you in there. I told you to keep that out of the video. Uh, nice. <laughs> I think I was introduced by Todd to Vance because Vance just started working with them guys. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Know, I don't even know if you were guiding yet. I think you were just a podcast. No, I was. I I had purchased your your lures. I mean, this probably was like two thousand. When did you come out with the new shaped Bosch shad? Uh, that would be two thousand and twelve. That's when it was. Okay. Um, and you, you can talk a little bit on that, but it, it was back then, and it just you know organically came through. You know, I I uh, purchased some baits, caught some fish on them, um, you know, and then a couple of years later, I was guiding up there full time, and it just. Uh, you know, blossomed. Blossomed. It blossomed. Yeah. 
Nice. We have not gone any on any trips together, and that's no. probably for the best. <laughs> well, you got to have a bucket on board if I'm coming with you. Uh, that's for sure. That's for sure. A bucket and a leash. Wow. Keep you in check. All right. Uh, that's good. Uh, I want to talk about the lineup. I want to talk about your lore lineup because you've got a lot going on here. I do. And- I, you know what? I didn't realize how many – the lineup got really big. I, I put them all out here. I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Better than being really small. Well, that's true. Right? Well, do you want me to start showing yeah. you the lineup? Yeah, let's, just, let's just go through and see what you got. We'll go from small to big. So that's the smallest. Crying Boss, three and a half. Real thick, very shallow running bait. Then we have the famous four and a half. That would be the most famous. That's that's what put everything together. That's why we're on this podcast today. And then I have a very short, I I have a seven. That's the deep lip. Can everybody see that? Yeah, I can see it good. And then I had to come out with another seven, but it's a shallow lip. Okay. And when you order sevens, you have to specify if you want the shallow lip or the deep lip in the note box. And then we have, which I don't make very often, but I have the jointed four and a half. Ooh, I like that. Dog balls, first one. And then um, from there, we came out with the, um, this is all the original lineup, the 10-inch deep diver. And then from there, this blossomed into the 8-inch minnow, which has gained a lot of popular in the last couple of years. It was really good this fall, too. It was really good this Yeah, this fall. fall. The 10-inch minnow. But you notice that because I don't like to copy others, my lip angle and size of the lip is different than, you, you know, your typical minnow grandma mm. or Jake. And then this is Kevin's favorite, the 12-inch minnow. I love that. Kevin and Reno's caught some really big fish. Again, look at the lip angle. Different. And then I do this one's coming out this year, the jointed twitch bait. Oh, I, I got inch, to see that in the water. Inch. That was crazy. Yeah. The small lip, mm-hmm. but jointed wire through. Mm-hmm. And then. I came up with another 10-inch boss shed, but it's got a lip of a 7-incher that's a double pull eye, and it's pretty erratic. It's got a lot of walk, or it, it almost looks like one. You ever be you ever fish out in the middle of the water and seen like a big giant carp, maybe a foot down, just swimming along in the middle of the lake for no reason. That's what I copied that off of. It took me probably a good half a year to find that action with different lips and 
where the toe eye is. And the bait has to be out of mahogany or it will not run right with that lip. Hmm. And then, the, and then the real special stuff that only gets raffled off is the 10-inch Canadian with three toe eyes and a polished lip, the 12-inch Canadian, same thing. That's a huge lip there. And then what's coming out, but on very, very small numbers, it, this is ridiculous. Oh, come is, on is the 13-inch flat shad. Holy. You, you should see that thing in the water, man. The action, we were both yeah. blown away. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is. And it's really nice action, like really nice. So the lineup the lineup the big baits looked like back yeah. then. Yeah. You know, that's it. You're paying homage. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the lineup on the website is the Crime Boss, the 7-inch and both – shallow and deep models the eight inch minnow and the four and a half that's what's always on the website the rest of the baits are on order you call email me hey i want a 10 inch minnow okay or i want a 12 inch minnow and then the canadian series are our raffle only okay so that so so going to like a show do you when you go to a show do you just take your standard lineup or do you take any of the the special ones like the um 10 inch i do a couple that's it okay just, i was just curious yeah just you a took few one, you took one last year i took 2009 yeah and i promptly came up and put a big thumbprint in the uh polished oh, lip yes you did <laughs> i remember that <laughs> i've wiped it off mm -hmm. i swear it was nice. I was like, ah. Ooh, it's shiny. Vance was like, ooh, it's shiny. <laughs> I do remember seeing that at the show. I got to hold that one. That was, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not used to seeing baits look like at, that. I mean, it's just that a thing. That, that thing's crazy, man. It really is. This is going to be the winner this year. Nice. nice. So that's it. That's the lineup. All right. So. That's, there's a lot there. So my my next question, we're gonna we might have to throttle this one back a little bit. So, I mean, I'm I'm more familiar with the crime bosses and the four and a halves. You guys have the experience with the other, you know, with the other styles. Um, as far as the lineup goes, what would you guys say? You know, based off of the baits in the lineup. Like what would be, I guess, for lack of a better word, like the utilization of it, where would you guys go um, for a specific scenario? What bait would you grab for a specific scenario? Maybe like spring, um, summer, fall, that sort of, you know, that sort of thing. What, what baits would you pick in, in any given scenario? Are we going around the room? Yeah, we'll go around. We'll start, Paul, we'll start with you. In the spring, I would run the eight inch minnow and the crime boss until about May and then after that, I would start using the four and a half and so on. Okay. All right. And Vance, where, where would you start? Uh, I would start with the crime uh, in, the, in that springtime. You know, it's something that you can really let a lot of line out, and it's not going to get as deep. Uh, so you can get over the, that, uh, that weed growth and maybe the fish are being a little skittish or something like that and hitting away from the boat. Uh, I would start with that crime boss. Um, had some success with that. 
Um, but from there, year round, when I'm guiding from, you know, opener to close in Chautauqua, it's it's the four and a half. Um, but more specifically, it was one that is, I guess, maybe the sixth man. Uh, it didn't make the list, but they're my favorite boss shads. Uh, and that's his 10th anniversary ones, but they're the, the, really the, the originals, the OGs. Um, and I have a lot that just look like wood um, and are waterlogged and hook rashed and teeth marked and just absolutely disgusting looking, but they're the ones that just crush the, the best, you know? So those are my uh, favorite and maybe, you know, in, in a little bit here, uh, Paul can touch base on those. Um, but that's what I'm using uh, year round. And those fish are, are responding to it. Um, I got to play around with uh, some lip, lip angles last year with, with the seven inch. And, uh, uh, you know, at that, at that point, I could use that year round on Chautauqua as well. Mm-hmm. And when it's year round, it's, it's essentially June to the end of November. Um, and, and that's not a, that's not a particularly big bait in the spring and it's not, a, you know, it's, it's not a, it's perfect for the fall too. So they're hitting that, that side you know, of the bait it's, year round. Too. It's weird about the four and a half. And I'm not just saying this cause I make the bait and sell them. That four and a half works everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's worked at the Kawartha St. It's a staple at St. Clair, Ohio, PA, New York. It just, it don't matter what, water yep. it's in it it will work mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just i don't know what it is about it but it works everywhere we go i mean those yeah the the four and a half that you can get right now are are, are amazing uh we we catch fish on those all the time um but you know if you really want to uh make paul work <laughs> try the 10th anniversary ones <laughs> yeah since, since the 10th anniversary is over we're just going to call those the old bodies there yeah. you go you and i have some on, i have them on my website right now i did see those i was yeah i would hop on there right now especially with the deal that you're doing i think you're doing something 10 percent off 10 percent off the whole month yeah yeah if i didn't have one of every color i'd be on there doing that as well but uh you know People should check those out. Um, that's all I got to say. You can go to Kevin now. All right. Um, I'll, I mean, I just like them on a few things, but I'll try to touch a few other ones too, just because I, I mean, I do travel around. I, I fish mm-hmm. Chautauqua and stuff too, but I, I you know, I, some of that stuff I use around here mm-hmm. and then on trips. Um, but just like them with the crime boss, I mean, one thing I'll point out about a crime boss from using other small baits, one really nice thing about them is hardware. A lot of small shad baits, the hardware's questionable. Like that hardware, it's the same as on the regular boss. So that's yeah. one definite plus. A lot of times in the spring, you got to worry about babying them or playing it light and the drag. Well, with the, the crime, it's a small bait. That's what I'd start with in the spring, but it's nice that you could fight them just like normal, you know? So just one point on the crime. Uh, just like Vance said with the four and a half, uh, Shit. Uh, for me it started yeah it, it started with the original four and a halfs that i first had which my first ever batch are still some of my best ones that i have like if i'm in if i'm struggling i'll put those out and they always work um but i caught like last year i told paul i got a lot of baits i mean 
I'm playing that lightly. Paul was over last week and he was kind of a little bit just kind of making fun of me, taking pictures, but I just have a lot of stuff. I go a lot of places and I just accumulate things, right? But I told him last year at Chautauqua, I made a point. I'm only using the new bosses I got at the show, which were just the new four and a halfs. And then I also used my new 10 year anniversaries I got. I never went to my originals or my newer ones besides the brand new and the brand new tenure. I had one plane. That's all I used. And uh, they worked for me every time I was there. Like as far as any time I was fishing and catching, they were working. So it's just neat to see that four and a half, the different years. And I think sometimes they get accustomed to the action of one. And then you come out like maybe if the last five years, we all ran the ones he made the last five years, come back out with a tenure. It's a different action. I remember like when the plastic tufts had their thing and they really went and then they got kind of conditioned, you know, so you got to change it up too. So it's nice that he has some different models in that same size, but just like Vance said, I think everybody that had the four and a half new 10 year, they all loved them. Everyone I talked to did, they did, you know? Um, so that's that the seven inch uh, for me, they seem like I do better with them slower. I mean, I run them fast and stuff, but I've done better with them. I'd say, uh, four or five and down. Uh, they're especially good at night. Um, doing that like open water, slow stuff. Uh, two, eight to three, eight zone is seems really good for that bait. It's a great bait. If you want to have it short in the wash and still be depth. I mean, you can get 12 feet with those like nothing and you can get 30 plus feet if you want. So it's a great bait for depth quick and it is good slower. So that's, uh, something on the seven. Um, then as far as the 10s, I haven't used too much of the regular 10, but I'm going to start you. I got a few more this year, but uh, the double pool, my, it's kind of funny. My first fish with it, first one was, I don't know, probably the biggest fish I ever caught at West Branch. Um, I, I, you've probably seen the photo on Paul's website, but uh, man, I mean, I remember we were joking. We were supposed to be at St. Clair. And I texted Tad, I said, you want to get a hog? He's like, oh yeah, we're going to West Branch. Great, you know? Well, sure enough, I get that fish on. I put that, and I like that double pool, like uh, around three, mid threes to low fours, kind of. It seems really good. Much slower, I wasn't as crazy. And faster is fine, but it seems like, because even Paul was doing really good on it first in open water, doing like around four mile an hour. It just seemed the right speed to get it like dancing around. It has like a lazy wander. And anyways, I'm looking at it. I send it out there and then the rod lays back and Paul and, and then Tad looks back. He's like, man, you got a hog. I'm telling you, you got a hog. I looked over his shoulder. Sure enough, reeled that one in. The first one was actually 46 and a half, but it was 35 and a half pounds. And for West Branch, that's really big for its length. That's not common for there, you know. Like my first 50 out of the branch was 32 pounds and it was 50. Uh, so it's like, you know, that was an impressive fish for there. They're not usually the best place for girth. Uh, but that was just a neat story on the double pool. And like I said, they are good in open water for, seems like when a fish are being conditioned, you know, something a little different. Um, minnows, now see the minnows, this is, I gotta tell you, we, it's a good story. This fall, I told Paul, I, I said, He's like, man, I got these 10 inch minnows. There's one, two left on the site. No one's getting them. I said, I'll buy one. He's like, really? I said, yeah, I'll buy it. Oh, well, you got to reverse. I said, I'm done with these. Oh yeah. He's like, <laughs> I have two more. I'm taking one. And if you want this one, you can have it, but I'm done making them because yeah. there's so many 10 inch minnows out there. And every time I make them, 
half sell and the other half just sit there and I'm, I'm just done with them. Yeah. And, and he, go on now. Yeah. He's like, so that's it. I'm like, well, I said, I've caught fish on them at Claire. I don't want them all that much. I said, I love the action on him. I'm, I'm getting it. So the first time I take it out, he mails it to me. I go out that next day. I start sending him photos. I think that first day with it, we went like seven for 10, just on that besides other fish. And then of course, that was every time I went out after that, I think I ended up getting like, I don't remember. I told you what it was when I was tracking them all, but yeah. around like 38 fish on it just this fall, just on that one minnow. So then I started running eights and I caught a bunch on the eights. So like that eight and 10 inch minnow basically made my fall. So a good place for those is fall time. Obviously they're great on boards. We run them on Claire on boards um chautauqua on boards and then like i say if you're reservoirs and stuff like that they're definitely good in any kind of creek arm upper end kind of thing trolling that i'm gonna say six to ten feet of water kind of stuff short line them you know like they were magic for us this fall um and then the, the last one is the 12 inch minnow which that uh for me that's a trip bait i don't run it everywhere but when i go to canada i do and our first my first one he made me uh, Rena got a 51 that was like just like right at 40 pounds uh, was the first one she got on it and uh, ever since and like each trip we've got something at least like 48 class uh, the last three years in a row and it's just man for that fall you want to get structure hit structure deep it's hard to get minnow baits down some baits just won't hit 20 feet minnow baits uh, 13 inch grandma will 14 inch Jake could not get it down. Some of the others I tried, couldn't get it down. The 12 inch minnow gets it faster than even the grandma. So it helps for your separation. Uh, but man, you want to crash rocks and stuff, 20 plus down. That's the bait, you know? And like I said, caught some really nice fish only having it a few years. So I know I went a little further on there, but hopefully no, that covers a lot more. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was going to ask too about, you know, I know you fish Canada, you know, you guys have all fished Canada. Like what, I guess my question was probably like along the lines of, you know, does the approach change up there? Is it, is it a bigger, you know, boss shad for that water up there as, as opposed to what, you know, you're running at West Branch or, or here in PA? I would say, yeah. If you're a big water, I would be, I'd be running the 10 inch and 12 inch Canadian and then the 10 inch, the regular 10 inch flat boss shad for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't even put a four and a half out up in Canada. Other than maybe the Corthas. Yeah, yeah, besides the Corthas, if I'm going or in St. Clair. But if I'm going to Georgian Bay or any kind of lake like that, yeah, it's all big stuff. Yeah. Anything in the shield or anything like that, if you're going up there for fall time, 12 inch minnow, like he said, 10 inch deep diver or the Canadian stuff like that. I did have a one time we had an 11 fish day though, just running two side rods at the Kawarthas, both with Bosch shads. I mean, that was crazy for me because I was always running bigger jointed baits there, but there is a lot of small panfish in that system. Um, and we went up and we ran Bosch shads and it was just neat to have, that's a good day when you're just running two side rods, you know, cause up there it's one line of person. I think we went 11 for 13 or 14 uh on the four and a half so that was one exception but other than that yeah i'm sure vance you probably feel the same way huh bait size yeah i do absolutely uh when i'm up in canada uh i i have canadian boxes really 
that are ready to go. So I can always. So say does Kevin. If I yeah, if I want to go to Canada, I can literally be ready to go right now. You know, and that's uh, it's bigger baits uh, for sure. I do not take the small stuff up there, but then again, the Kawartha chain is similar to what we are fishing um, in this, in, in this area. Uh, so those, those lakes uh, correlate. However, I think when we're going to Canada as a group, we can all uh, collectively agree that we're fishing the bigger water. Uh, and because of that, we are using the larger, uh, larger baits. So yeah, I agree with that. All right. So Ryan, next... Ryan, you're not talking too much at this one. I'm I'm taking it all in, man. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking notes? No, I have notes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should notes. be, but I'm recording it so I can go back and rewatch it <laughs> all night, all night long. Um, so <laughs> the, the next topic, I guess, and I always ask this question because I feel like it's it's super important to a lot of a lot of guys really when you talk fishing lures and in general and one of the questions i have for you paul is regarding paint patterns you know you've got a lot you've got a lot of patterns oh, God. <laughs> lots of lots of paint going on over there so my question is like how do you come up with some of these patterns you know first and foremost we'll, we'll maybe just start there well um a lot of people all use the same basic patterns, right? Fire tiger, perch, orange tiger, you know, natural shad. Mm -hmm. Everybody borrows that. But then after that, you just come up with certain things and you play around. You know, I have, I think I have 75 patterns on my website and they all sell eventually. Mm -hmm. And some are, a lot of them are St. Clair patterns. And there's good Ohio patterns and there's good New York and PA patterns. I don't know. You know, I just, I, I, I love the paint. So I just fool around and, and I have to say that I have a lot of patterns that are original to myself and not copied. I, I mean, I do copy other people's patterns. Um, if it's a good pattern, everybody does, you know, um, like a Michigan perch. Yeah. Know? I mean, yeah um, fire tiger i mean i mean everybody has a fire tiger everybody has a natural shed you know uh me and kevin come up with some stuff you know he'll have an idea and then i'll picture it in my head and we'll come up with something and me and him will spend hours on the phone you know well, what about this i'll add this or what about this now add this and then i'll get it all done Oh, it sucks. I'll paint it all white again and we'll start <laughs> from scratch. And and then we'll come up with something and he's like, it's badass. Yeah. And he came up with the white fish, mm -hmm. you know, that I do on the, the 12 inch um, minnow. And it's been good for him. It has. And been. yeah, you know, I mean, I just, uh, this, this is the old hooker shad, mm -hmm. you know, that everybody liked back in the day. So, I mean, I just like coming up with patterns and every time I'm about to get rid of a pattern because it's overwhelming, someone will buy it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't get rid of it. I got to keep it. Yeah. That's why you see so many baits sitting there because eventually they will sell. 
because you don't know what other you don't know what other people are thinking, or maybe their buddy did good on something that I did years ago, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, I got to have that," and you know, and it's there, it's always there. So, yeah, painting's fun. It's, I mean, I don't know. It's just um, that's the best part of bait making, I think. As long as you like it, I mean, it's a lot easier coaching somebody into a paint paint job. Like, hey, make this pattern. Hey, make this pattern. And you're sitting there as a painter, like, you know, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that's. True. I mean, there, let's let's <laughs> you know, there's some. Um, if someone asks me to do a custom paint job, I always say, you know, send me a picture because you know some stuff I can't do, and I'll admit that there's there's some painters out there that are doing some. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not going to put that much time in that or it's going to cost you too much money or I, I, I won't be able to do it. There's too much detail in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we know that the fish don't care about all that crazy detail. It's for the fishermen, but. Right. Oh, I was just going to say, and plus it's a side note on the painting. It's nice that Paul has like, I checked my box the other day and I told him, I said, somehow I have 25 variations of perch. <laughs> like 25 different variations some is this scale some is that some's a different green some has the orange belly some's yellow i got it all but it's like wow it's nice that he does that many because like certain ones are just gems but it, it is nice that he had that's one thing i have to say paul you got a lot of perch variations a lot. Yeah. and shad yes how many shads i have yeah, you could tell you spend time in New York and Ohio from a lot of the colors. You yeah, you know, happen. I was thinking about that. PA, New York, and Ohio all kind of share the same good mm-hmm. colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're going to Chautauqua without a perch, then you might as well just stay home, right? <laughs> Pretty much. You yeah, I'll just stay home. Yeah. See, Vance, this is where I I pull the pen out and I just. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we didn't, tell you, we didn't tell you what perch. There's 25 variations. <laughs> yeah, I'm true. I have a stack for that one. I was curious because, I, I mean, I stare at colors all the time, but this is one of the ones I got off you recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, oh is, they, they came in the mail. That's nuclear yeah. walleye. Nuclear walleye. And I was curious. I was thinking about colors and questions to ask you. You know, and I, I'll i get to the to the second question, but, you know, that, so, you know, just color variations and the glitter you have and everything else, like it's just, there's so much available on the site, you know, and it's, I know personally, you could spend time just sitting there staring at different colors. And so that's why I wanted to ask you guys about that. Um, and, you know, just color patterns, like what, what are your favorite patterns? And I know this is kind of a loaded question because it kind of depends on what water you're on or where you're fishing. But I would say maybe like in general, you know, even if you had an example of a lake or um, just, just color in general. <laughs> I'm not going first with that one. I was going to say, you want us to do maybe one do Ohio, one do New York, one do yeah. PA. You want us to do that? So we yeah, don't or is it do like, that. or is it desert Island bait? You know, yeah. you got one color to use for the rest no, of your life. No, you can, you can do multiples one for each day. It's cool. Well, you got your pen ready, Ryan? Uh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> All pens down. I mean, I'll do New York. It makes sense. So Yeah, it does. A couple, couple colors for New York, uh, boss shads. Uh, absolute staple is the uh, perch white belly. Um, 
it eventually turns to wood belly uh, with all the teeth marks and, and rash and things of that nature. Um, but I'm not leaving the docks without that. I have multiple ones, um, backups and backups and backups, uh, but it's perch, white belly, um, and preferably old school, um, but mm -hmm. the new ones do just fine in any variation. Uh, any variation will do that, you know, it will get the job done. It's, it's what comes down to you as a fisherman. If you feel confident with it out there, you know, are they really going to care if it's gold scale or silver scale? And at one point, maybe, but when it, when you're dealing with the lakes that we're fishing, I really don't think it matters. I think you just fish until you hit those windows, but you'd still fish better when you feel confident about things. Yeah. So um, I feel most confident uh, in New York with perch, white belly. And my second favorite, and it's just because it's, it's uh, you know, we're partial to it at, at Fat AZ and Muddy Creek, uh, is the mud puppy. Um, mud puppy is a walleye variation. It's a brown perch variation. Uh, Paul was just, he hit it correctly with the colors the uh, brown and yellow base with the orange belly, uh, gold, gold bars with silver scale over it. We, uh, we appreciated that, you know, we, we really in, uh, enjoy that, that color pattern. So we run that often as well. White head, white head, white head, white head on it. Absolutely. And that's nice because you can see it coming in um, when you're checking, uh, there's something to focus on there uh, when you're, when you're cleaning lines, but um one is definitely perch, uh, white belly, and my second favorite is, of course, mud puppy, and that's just because I'm partial to it. I feel good about it, so you fish better. All right, who wants to go next? Oh, are, you we, are we doing? Wait, did he? He picked New York, so do I got to pick a state? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Well, I guess I'll pick Ohio, right? Yeah. It'll. It would have to be some kind of shad. Uh, Tennessee shad, natural shad. And um, I would say those those are tied for uh, first, and then second would probably be second would be tied for orange tiger and fire tiger. That's uh, I feel like anytime I hear Ohio, and I, I don't know if I I don't know if I should say this or not. Orange. Yeah, that's orange. what people think. Yeah, it's, it's always, always orange. orange. That's because we we fish shit. They're dirty. We always say in Ohio, <laughs> if you if you got to think of something, white or bright. Yep. White or bright. White or bright. I mean, West Branch is getting clearer every year, but I mean, most of most of our lakes are pretty stained, you know. So. That's, that's one nice thing about white. It's good when the water's dirty, but it's good when the water's clear too. It's a good clear water color, you know. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Kevin. I guess you got. I guess you got PA, uh, Kev. Okay, uh, PA. Now I'll I'll mainly be talking about I'd say moderately stained to clear systems because I fished uh, every lake in Pennsylvania. Just so you know, I mean I I have I back when I had a truck camper, I took a few years and I'd go Friday to this ramp, sleep in the parking lot, drive here Saturday, sleep in the parking lot, drive here Sunday. Even if I did good at one. So I fished all the way, like I made it all the way out to Blue Marsh and everything. So 
Wow. Yeah. So every I've, lake in Pennsylvania. How yeah, about Lake Emily and McKeesport? How about that? He's not kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe Kevin. He's, uh, he's I, I didn't. I didn't make it to every single one, but the majority. You know, like a lot of them. Like I, I, I used to meet Larry Hines at the Fish Commission, and he'd give me a print up of what was stocked, and I'd go and fish them. You know, so it was, it was cool. It was fun experience checking them out. So. I'll just talk most of the, what I call like true PA Lake, uh, pretty clear to moderately stain at most. But uh, I'd say top colors, one for me would have to be, it's just a good color for me in PA would be like that dog turd brownish brown. I don't know if it's the bullhead thing or what, uh, but I've caught some really nice fish on it. And it's a, it's a confidence color um, in that type of water. And so is, blacks and variations of blacks it could be a black black with glitter black with uh like a black sucker black and silver with the yellow belt stuff like that yeah so uh both good for size again and and just a good all-around confidence pattern and fire you see, tiger, that? You huh? see that cub yeah i see you <laughs> you know Fire Tiger still, like, I have to join Ohio a little bit with that. I've still done good on Fire Tiger and some of those PA lakes. It's like a, just a bright perch to me. Um, but I'd say the last one that's a, just a touch different than Ohio is some sort of alewife, purple backish shad. It's a little different than our Ohio, like the Tennessee shad. Not that I haven't done good on that, but I'd rather be more along the lines of something that looks like alewifey silver maybe some black on the back or purplish on the back but a silvery white kind of just a little variation of that but that alewife type pattern is uh definitely a good pattern for pa also so those would be my tops and perch is good for pa yeah it is but i had to leave something out i know i feel like perch is good everywhere i think so too yeah you know i Man, my I don't know why my favorite color is brown perch. I like I don't know why I like this. I did well in Canada, but we were pike fishing, so I don't know. I just I, I'm I'm a sucker for colors though. I like them all. That's brown brown good though. I mean in PA that's I mean that brown thing. I don't know. There's something to that. Yeah, I think uh, I think the last couple of years I've I've talked myself into a lot of golds and browns, and that's. That's what every bait I have is gold or brown, with the exception of the, the new Bosch ads I've got, which I'm oh, pumped so about I, that too. Well, see, see, one thing you said there, uh, Ryan, that that's I didn't even think of, but the golds and the browns, that's the one that kind of does the full circle. That's good in New York, that's good in PA, and those are good in Ohio too. They are. Yeah, there's a there's a flash to that, and yep. you know, I think it triggers strikes all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it looks like absolutely no fish in the water. Um, you know, something that's just gold, but you're just you're getting a reaction out of it. We don't know how the fish see. You that's know? true. Yeah, you feel like it's a, it, it has to be a reaction. I mean, it, anybody that's using that color, you see it come in, and you're just like, yeah, that looks irritating. You know, I'd, I'd smack that thing. It's so. flashy, you know. It's really mm. flashy. Yeah. Where do I want to go with this? Color. So I can't, I can't find my chew. <laughs> Hold on, man. You you take your time. Where the hell we are you going? 
We don't need the boss. We can run the show without him. Come yeah, on. We really can. What the hell? Oh. And that's that's one of the worst feelings too when you can't find something. Yeah. My shoes film that air here and especially if it's a if it's tobacco. Um, and, for anybody, Paul. and for anybody watching, if Paul doesn't find it in the next 30 seconds, you get to pick a lure off the wall behind him. <laughs> Canadian series. <laughs> there it is. I was going to edit this out, but I think I got to leave it in now. Oh, I believe it. This, this, <laughs> I can't find it. Hey, watch your language, Paul. Jeez. He can edit it. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, don't edit it. That's fun. Vance, I like your uh, wall back there. I just saw some musk. I was liking that. Oh, yeah. You want to see it? for yeah. the? I'm letting people into my house. It's very private in here. That's... I don't know where it went. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is sweet. Nice. Yeah. That's really sweet. That was it. That was that first 50-incher from Chautauqua, and this is the lure that it was on. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I, wore, I ran that thing until... The water log that got like an inch underneath. Yeah, that's sweet, man. That wall is awesome. And then where's? Oh well. This was uh, my wife's first first fifty down there. Okay. And then this was her first forty pounder. Nice. Right there. And that's a Canadian fish, and that's a Chautauqua fish. She had the nerve to say, uh, and she's caught like mad fifties out of out of Canada. Mm-hmm. Like any time we go, she'd catch you know. One or two each time mm-hmm. out of the five days we were fishing. And she looks at me one day and she says, you know, why don't we, uh, like, why can't I ever get one of these on Chautauqua? And I was just like, okay, that's, you know, that's a gut punch. I was like, you, you, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> and then no. that, that, that 40-pounder she caught was insane. That was just a big, big fat. So her I first yeah, that was a All bad right. weather day, wasn't it? Horrible. Mm-hmm. That was the only one on the lake. Someone tried to kill me at the ramp. <laughs> oh God! Oh, chew. I think it's in the house. You got to give up on it, Paul. I did right. already. Okay, so another question I have for you guys. This is uh, this one was given to me to ask out of curiosity. Really? Uh, yes, this one was. By who? Uh, anonymous. Anonymous. I don't know if you know Nick Fiesler. Yeah, I, I, yeah well, I, mean, I don't know him, but yeah. I know him well. Okay, so he asked me to ask you guys what your best day fishing boss shads is currently. Ooh, so, ooh. Go ahead, Paul. And it, it doesn't matter what you guys want to share if it's Numbers or if it's size, whatever your best day on a Bosch ad is. My best day was 22 for 24. 22 for 24. On bosses. On bosses. On bosses. Where, what color, when, what, where it was the moon doing, size. You ain't going to believe this, but it was Chautauqua with a perch. There it is. White belly. There's, there's a pretty good story, but I don't know how much time we have on that one. Aren't I part of this story? You go for it. Go ahead. But that's no, my you, best. No, you go ahead, Paul. Let's hear the story. Um, I'll make this real quick. 
right. Some guy asked me if he could still buy boss sheds, and I said, yeah. He goes, I picked this one up at a Michigan um, tackle shop. I said, well, I never sold any baits to a Michigan tackle shop, but let me check it out. And he showed me, and it, and it was the very first original year that I started. And I said, holy get that he's like i bought it at this michigan shop so i called the michigan shop i said do you have any boss sheds and they said no we get baits periodically from guides up there i'm like oh that's great all those guys got got for free and now they're selling my shit, you know oh so, man that is a oh. burn so anyhow um i said you know <laughs> i like to have that one for my collection since I don't have too many of the originals, I go, I'll make you two for that one. He goes, yeah, no problem. So when I got it, I opened the box up. I'm like, holy this thing's not even used. So I go, I'm going to save this one for Chautauqua, you know? So when I finally got up there, I put it in the water. I tuned it up and we went 22 for 24 that day. On that bait though? Uh, on that bait. Had 22 fish on one single bait. 22 fish on that bait. Now, how is that for poetic justice? Yeah. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, and somebody, not... I gave it to somebody. I don't remember because it was so long ago. And they didn't even, they, it was not one mark on it. They never even used it. And then they got rid of it. That's interesting to do, uh, especially, you know, on that lake, which I consider my home, um, on a trolling bait. Now, we've had, double digit days on bosses but that one particular one to hit that one out of a spread it makes it seem a little bit more weird as opposed to like casting now we've had you know 20 fish days on raptors but it's the same bait you're just throwing one 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 mm -hmm. uh and then if you're running say a four to six rod spread and that one's getting hammered every time like that that is what like blows blows me away uh whereas it, when i was casting and that would happen i feel like if i put anything on they would have hit it because they were just like on that day mm -hmm. but when you have that spread and that that uh you know that test out there essentially uh, and for them to target one single bait is that is the magic bait that everybody is looking for, that magic wood. Yeah. That one that you probably were just making and threw away and was just mm -hmm. like, yeah, another bait. Well, another you know, when, when I make a batch of baits, I always tell myself, you know, this batch is going to probably yield someone's biggest fish or a tournament winner. Every batch I make, I tell, I tell that to them before mm -hmm. I let them go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You tell the wood that? You, I tell the wood you that. You talk to them? <laughs> And That's by the way, that one really awesome. that went for 22 to 24, I got five more on it the next day. That's pretty awesome. Before I went home. That's amazing. That's amazing. Justice. It was justice. You it, caught, wanted to be, it wanted to be home. Mm -hmm. You caught more fish on that one bait than I typically do in a year in a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wow. That's a good one. All right. So, Kevin, you want to go next? Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I think mine, I, I mean, I, instead of talking about that, I'll do, I think for me, one of the best days on a boss shed was probably just because of the story. Um, when I, w I went far north up into the shield up in Northwest Ontario, 
And uh, I wanted a certain, it was my first one. It was a 12 inch minnow and I wanted that bait. And I, I, I drive Paul nuts a little bit with painting it, but I was like, I want this with this and that. He does a certain foil that's work, you know, but we get it and he's sending me pics. So I'm excited about the trip. And you know, when I'm flying up there, it's light on the gear, right? I mean, I'm bringing two boxes of Planos. I'm going in a rental boat. I'm not in my own boat with the creature comforts I'm used to. So me and my wife fly up. I think it was high of like 17 some of those days uh, with no house and no heater. And uh, you're, it's not a place you're going to be changing baits much, right? It's not, you know, I mean, you're freezing. Like even me, I'm like, there was one day I quit early because I could feel the cold coming through the back of my float suit into my elbows. I'm like, all right, that's enough, you know, but we broke ice and stuff to get out and we're in this rental boat and I got the paper map, you know, this is no, no, I don't have all that other stuff. Right. So that's it. You're looking at stuff that night. And I remember I had uh, just re you're running one rod a piece. So I just put out a 13-inch grandma and a 12-inch boss minnow and called it a trip. You know, basically, I'd change colors once in a while. But that original one he painted, the first one, uh, I caught a fish on it the first day. It was like a 46 or something, and I was pretty excited. But it really was the next day. I'd got a 48 on a grandma, and uh, then, you know, Rena was up next. And, you know, she, her rod goes just maybe an hour or so after that. Well, at that point, the wind's blowing like crazy, you know, boats going sideways, there's snow coming across, you can't see nothing. And that rod, her side rod with the 12 inch minnow just goes screaming, you know, and I knew, you know, it was right in a little neck down deep water. And you could just, I mean, I saw that rod float. I knew it was a big one. And I got on video and stuff. She's fighting it. And she's like, honey, it's the boss. It's the boss, man. I'm like, I know, I know. Just take it easy. It's, you're going to be fine. You know, you see it back there fighting and it comes in and it was at, it was 51 inches, uh, just at 40 pounds. And it was like, that was a special fish to me because of the whole experience. I got that bait. I only ran a few baits that made, that was our biggest fish of the trip. And it was on a bait that he made and it was like a, an exciting boss catch. And that was also Rena's first over 50 trolling, her first trolling 50 plus that she'd got. Um, and it was just really special because when you go do a trip like that, it takes you back in time. You know, it reminded me of back being in the old boat with my dad on Stony Lake. You know, this is like, you know, it's just way different. So when you do that, you have nobody to talk to to feed off for information uh it's very rewarding to get one like that so that was a special boss catch for me yeah that's that's such a cool story <laughs> yeah that's that's a great story those are the best fishing days yeah when you take it all back mm -hmm. to nothing i mean we all we've all been there fishing that way you know out of little tiller tinnies and trying to hold our rods at the same time and then yeah. looking at paper maps and studying it uh you know prior to your trip those are the best they are yep they are i guess it's my turn it is it your is. turn vance you've, you've you've got a day or a story man days run together uh with how much i fish uh but i can go back to i'll just go to the biggest fish that we've caught on on a charter uh, on a boss shad um and that happened this year, um, well, 2020, uh, caught many fish on bosses, of course. They're always in the spread. 
Um, but old school, 10 anniversary, wooden belly, nasty, all chewed up, waterlogged, you know, crazy, crazy uh, looking lore. And it was uh, a relatively clear day on the water uh, on the surface. There wasn't many, um, many weeds. And um, so I ran eight rods and I usually run in lines. It's just easier for me to run a charter that way um, when, you know, it's just yourself uh, trolling at that point. People obviously get involved and the people that I had out with me were well-versed in fishing. Uh, and uh, so I put out an extra planer um, and it's this, this boss and I switched it up for some reason. I wanted it running sh short on the inside board. If that makes any sense to anybody. Um, I didn't want it this far back. I wanted it closer to the boat just to, inkling i had you know and uh <clears throat> we're fishing around and nothing's really going on we hit hit a window earlier and um it kind of uh went flat and um you know high skies i was in in shallow water and it was still it's one of those days where it switches from south to north to east all those winds uh, and then all of a sudden it's bright and sunny and flat and, um, inside board, I'm just kind of sitting <clears throat> and watching the graph, pretending to act like I know what I'm doing. And, um, the kid, there was, there was two kids with me. The one was sitting in the passenger and one was sitting through the, at the walkthrough both facing back looking at the spread while I was looking forward and uh I just hear you know a rod go off like it was snagged you know it was just Zzzz. I was like oh damn it I was like what I can't believe I I ran over this x amount of time you know I I'd never snag here and then the kid just says f and I'm like <laughs> and then the other kid says holy f that's a giant this thing was in the middle the, the closest inline planer, they're running like this, inside, long, out this way. That inside planer has this giant fish walking with the boss in his mouth and crosses that outside planer, hit it, and immediately tail walked. And it wasn't like it was a dink. It was a giant. And I'm, I say F, and I don't know what to do but I try to keep my composure. I mean, you do it so many, you know, you do it all the time, but things creep up on you occasionally. And, you know, you just act like a kid out there and I had no idea what to do. So I just hit free spool on that outside board and just prayed that it would, you know, not get tangled. Uh, and who knows what I was saying? Uh, I, I really don't remember what was, was going on. I know that I cleared some rods and, uh, you know, yelled out some commands to the person that wasn't battling the fish, um, that he pr probably were incoherent and he was trying to do his best. Um, but get that little inline off, fighting the fish. It's running all over the back of the boat into everything. Um, I finally net it and we just, every, we are screaming at the top of our lungs. It's hilarious. Uh, 
And again, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what we were saying. You know, we were hugging and I've never hugged that many, many guys in, uh, you know, so many times in one day. And uh, it was it was just a, uh, a beautiful brown gold 52 inch uh, just Chautauqua unicorn you know it was just one of those fish that you're just like i can't believe that that is in here and uh it was beautiful i've yet to send paul that that photo i, I told him that i had a bunch of photos for him i was, was thinking gonna, the same thing but i wasn't gonna say nothing i don't like to you know yeah we post occasionally but i'm gonna i told you i i had one more for you we had i i think i sent everything from like you know, obviously there's you know, tons of small ones, but I sent like every number from 45 40, up to yeah, 50. 40, yeah, 45 you know, up to 50. And there could be tons of 35s and 38s and all that stuff. But I was saving this, uh, you know, this big one for, you know, sometime during the off season. But I got it. And uh, it's an, un, it's just, it's one of the prettiest fish uh, we, we've got out of Chautauqua. And it's just, uh, if anybody's ever handled one of those, uh, big brown gold ones out of stock where they know how special that is. And uh, it was certainly a special day and a memory uh, for myself and, and the clients. Uh, Do you think it was a natural being brown gold? It. Oh, I don't remember. I think it was a natural. Yeah. Was it no fin clip? I don't, I don't think that the fin was clipped. No, it was probably natural. Might've been, but I've caught the big ones up there with, with the, uh, the, that have, that are brown uh, with the, that were stocked and some nat natties too. Generally, those big hogs are are uh, natural fish that that have the all the spots and lines in them, but they're that brown gold. Um, they look like a brown tiger musky to me. They're like brown gold tiger. They have markings, the bars and spots like a tiger would, but they're brown. Yeah, gold, you know? yeah, for sure. I mean, you you guys have have handled those fish before, but you know, generally when you see those. Um, and when you see him hit the surface and tail walk, you know, it's even more nerve wracking. But, you know, if you hit that color on Chautauqua, you know, you're into something good. And, uh, you know, uh, fortunately, everything worked out uh, and it shouldn't have, to be quite honest with you, uh, with with what was going on. You know, we got a little aggressive there because there was a, a lull. And usually when there's a lull, you try to you know, change something up, you know, maybe the fish in that, in that window that you hit, you know, they were loving that pin tight, just straight, straight behind, uh, you know, action. Maybe that, you know, they like to lateral line over a perch bar or something like that. You hit that, but when it like slows down, I love that, that walking, uh, shimmer of those old school boss sheds. And, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of confidence just in it because it, it looks different. And, Again, it's something that, you know, as, as Kevin uh, referenced, like a Snickers, a little kid Snickers, um, you know, this, this thing with its action, I think that it triggers that strike when it, when it has that thump and that walk too. So on tough days, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, pull out old reliable and, and then sometimes you're, you're blessed with a story like that. That also is an amazing story. Yeah. Good story, Vance. Good, Good story. story. So, I mean, we've talked a lot here about Boschad. I mean, this is uh, this was amazing. 
you know, being able to talk with you guys and, and hear these stories and hear the experiences and, and the, you know, the wealth of information you guys have, you know, and it just, I mean, it just fish after fish after fish, Bosch ads, you know, and it's different, it's different areas of the country. It's different. It's in Canada. It's here. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's a natural lake or a reservoir. I mean, just catching fish on Bosch ads. And I did have one more question that I want to ask you guys about this. Mike Money Minnow Fund. Okay. So the question is like, how are you guys involved with that? And how does that, how does that program work? Kev, I'm going to let you take this. Yeah. I mean, you might as well say I was one of the founding fathers of that whole Mike Money Minnow Fund. Like when Mike first did it, I mean, I remember being at his house when he first wanted to do it. He always liked swap and like lure swap. He always thought that was a cool idea. You know, get get coolers of beer, sell, you know, beers for a buck a piece, get all the pizzas in, just have a good time at the show. Mike always liked that, you know. So when he first did it, I remember being at the first one and you saw people, they came and set up at the swap, but just the overall atmosphere, people liked it. And people that came down from Minnesota and Wisconsin, they said, man, this is really awesome. You guys have this after the show, like after the day of the show at the hotel. So the response was really good. And then I saw the next year it got bigger and, you know, he wanted to do more with it. And then of course it just grew. And then unfortunately, you know, obviously Mike had passed when he was in his wreck. And after that, you know, we knew we're like, man, you know, Mike, it, it, we got to do it for him. Like he loved it and we knew we could just take it and keep it going uh so there's like you know probably i'd say six eight guys uh from ohio that basically do that each one does their part and we reach out to lure makers like other guys i know and friends of mine that make baits and paul and you know we reach out and they will give us something special a special bait paint something up uh that's unique for the main raffle table and uh, we do all that and then at the show, the day of the second day of the show, I, I'm always the one that's supposed to go around and talk to people. They say I'm the best at talking. I don't know. So they send me around with the bucket and all the vendors, I got to say, all the vendors always donate something too. And I tell them, you know, they don't have to, but they know what the function's all about. All the money is to raise the minnows to stock for the Ohio muskies to, to feed the muskies. And it's just a great program all the way around. But it got huge. And I mean, I, I can't remember what it's up to, but, you know, there's years, I think the one year it was like, I don't know, eight, 10,000 it made. Uh, so from the lure maker stepping up and donating something special, plus the vendors at the show, and then you get everyone to fill in that hotel room. It's really something neat. It, it really is. So I hope it just keeps going. You know, it was weird this year, of course, with the no show, um, but I know it'll be back. You know, I'm hoping soon enough it'll be back, but I know Mike would be proud, you know, I mean, it's gotten huge and seeing all the people piling and the money it brings in, knowing it's all for the state for stocking is amazing. You know, it is. So. Yeah. The riot at those shows. Good stuff. That That's the, uh, that's what everybody looks forward to is that, that raffle night. And there's, there is a lot of participants. They pack in there. It's wonderful. It goes for a good cause. And there's tons of good prizes. I mean, that table's amazing. There is, I know. My God, you know. So people are people are generous for sure. They are. That's that's an awesome that's an awesome awesome thing. I hope that continues on. Yeah. All right, all right. Two more questions. One of one of which is for Paul. But one of the uh, questions I've been asking everybody, um, especially with 
as much experience as you guys have, would you guys have maybe one or two tips for the new or beginner muskie angler? Me? Go ahead, Paul. You can start. All right. Lures are tools. If you want to collect them, fine. If you want to trade them, fine. If you want them use as, use them as currency, that's fine. But they are tools to catch fish. So the first thing people need to do is learn how to tune a bait. And then after that, you need to find different depths of shallow structure and learn your baits where they run for a specific amount of line out. So you know that if you want to be down 15 foot, that you can get your bait down 15 foot. Asking people their line lengths does no bit of good because everybody's setup is different. And without spending an hour on this, that's all I'm going to add to that. I, I, so I wish I would have asked you that question about five years ago, personally, because, you know, one of the things I did was I went out and bought just about every bait that I saw. And, you know, it, I ended up with a mess of baits that I didn't know how to use. So I, I think that, I think that's really one of probably a key point for guys getting into it. So that's a good one. Um, all right, Ke Kevin, you have any thoughts on a, a tip? Um, I, I'll, I'll say a little more too on that, what he was just talking about, cause I'm biting my tongue, but it's, uh, well, there's a couple of that like sometimes Paul will tell you when he goes out with me today it's always a little bit annoying because I'm like you're gonna have to drive for a while like even if, if, if we're in my boat I'll say you got to drive for a while because I have to test all my new baits I do he'll tell you every one of them and I want to know what it is at 12 and what it is at 15 and what it is at 18 and I'm writing them down or I'm saving them on my phone and I do it on 50 pounds and I do it on 80 pounds so like I've been doing that forever. For years, people have asked me about lengths to get certain baits down. But to say something else on top of that for a tip, I'd say also, you know, people do it when they cast. But a nice, a good tip would be to learn to use your trolling baits that work well together. In other words, there's a lot more to just throwing a bait over the side and putting the boat in gear and you're trolling. When guys cast, if you're up in Canada and you're covering water trying to find active fish, if one guy's throwing blades and burning them, the other guy's throwing a topwater prop bait, not, not a walk the dog, a prop bait that he can straight reel and cover water. So you're fishing in sequence, you know, you're picking it apart together with lures that complement each other well. The last thing you want to do is be throwing a creeper while the guy's burning a bucktail. Well, I see the same thing trolling. I see guys that say, ah, that bait won't run five. That's okay. There's some really good baits that run at like three and a half. What you got to do is find another bait that also is really good at that speed. So learn your, the, the speed is a lot. So learn your speeds for your lures and get stuff that, that complements each other well. Cause like we've said for years, we run big baits, big deep diving baits, and you run five miles an hour and you're like, man, five miles an hour, you're really hauling the mail. Well, if you look at a periwinkle at five miles an hour, it's the same thing as looking at a, a tough shad at three, eight. Okay. It's a, a little sisson, a little small sisson. Guys run those. They're like, man, they run those things two miles an hour. That thing's got a heck of a lot of shake on light line with a small leader 
going two miles an hour. So you could really bone yourself up. If you go down there and you got too heavy a line, you put out little dinky baits with a 150 pound floral leader, your bait's just not going to perform well. So you got to learn not just the depths, but learn what baits, try to find baits that you find complement well. And if you only like certain speeds, don't just run anything. If it doesn't look right, go through and find the baits that look good at the speeds you like. Then you'll get your spread where you could run. Cause I have like Vance was saying boxes. I have, I'm speed trolling and I'm running big baits and I'm crashing rock. I have those box. I'm going to Chautauqua and I'm running mid fours and or whatever. And, and this, and I want these little shad baits. I have the ones I like that do well at those speeds. So try to get more things you could play with to find what selection you want in the speed you like. That's a tip for me. You know, everybody has a smartphone today. And if you look, it's just nothing but depths for baits. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the most successful fishermen spend time learning their baits. I mean, me and Kevin don't even fish sometimes. We go out all day and test baits. Yep. No one does that. No one. And you got to go and test your baits. You have we run eighty pound setups, fifty pound setups. Well, if I put a four and a half on a fifty pound setup, it's going to be different than if I put it on an eighty pound setup. So you're going to have to take the time and find a non-snag area and actually do the work because you can't ask me if, if I say I'm down 10 foot and it takes me 30 foot of line, well, that might not take you. It might take you 50. Is your rod in the water? Is it buried? Is it 80 pound? Is your real spool all the way? Mm-hmm. Have you tested your spools on the driveway? Yeah. You know, how fast are you going? Is it the back rod? Is it the side rod? You have to know your baits. They're tools. And it, and it makes to catch, if you want to catch fish, you have to spend the time and, and go out and say, we're not fishing today. We're going to test baits. Me and Kevin go out in the fall. We find a 20-foot hump, and we put all our baits, and we test one over and over again. Not just one time it, that it hits. We'll turn around crank in five feet and go back over it. And if it doesn't hit, then you know that it's this, this amount of line at this speed to get this bait. Cause not, not, not every bait's the same either. And, and it, it turns a tool into a multi-use tool. Like I remember like me and Paul, we did depths to get four and a half inch Bosch ads, 28 foot down. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly how much line it takes for that. Because when I'm seeing hooks laying on the bottom with their bellies in the mud, 31 feet down, 32 feet down, I could put a four and a half Bosch at right at 28 feet just above them. So anytime they want to move at all. Well, most people probably wouldn't think I can't get a four and a half inch Bosch down that far. Yeah, you can. You can't do it on 80 pound braid and you can't do it with your rod parallel to the and, but you and, it's got, it, and it's got to be tuned perfectly too. Yeah. But you put your rods down on 50 pound, next thing you know, you get 28 feet. We wrote, we got 21 and 23 and 25 and 28, you know? So just another, I didn't mean to go on a tangent, but you, most people don't know that, that a little boss will go almost 30 feet down, you know? Like my cards, my business cards have the depths on them. And I mean, it'll get you close, but some, like Vance will tell you, some days you need to be right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not going to catch nothing. It's true. Um, and, you know, being a guide, uh, I go through this often with clients. 
this exact topic. Um, and you have to, you, you know, find, uh, I take pride in teaching, uh, in teaching in the most simple way. And I think to wrap up what you guys are talking about, this is all common knowledge for us, uh, on here. We've, we've done this, uh, we've done it a certain way and we know how to figure things out. The way that you do that is to shut everything off and go out and fish on your own. Uh, that's my biggest tip to anybody that's just getting into musky fishing. Generally, people don't say, hey, I'm a bike rider today and then I'm going to go be a musky fisherman. That's usually you hit that transition from bluegills to walleyes to bass and then to muskies eventually. And you have to remember that it's still hooks and lines. And the only way that you are going to figure something out is through trial and error on the water. So if I'm out there and I caught X amount of fish on whatever bait it is, it's hard to replicate to, to do those things. It's hard to replicate because everybody's setup is different. So once you get comfortable in your own skin and you go through that trial and error on the, on the water where it is setting baits out and figuring out depths, and, uh, you know, more, more inept to, to the trolling side, because that's what we're talking about. Um, the best way to do it is to keep it simple and do it on your own. And you are going to be light years ahead of everybody else and, a, and just a better fisherman in general, because you put that time in uh, to learn, you, you know, you all want to go out there and you want to catch them. First, you want to catch them and you just want to catch giants. Uh, and that's the transition that it goes um, with teaching every day on the water. It, uh, I, I implore that people go out on their own and and uh, and fi figure it out. That's that makes you just a, a completely better fisherman. And, it, and it's just a it it makes you feel uh, better because you did it on your own. You know, you've got to do it on your own and. You're going to fish. Uh, the way that you like to fish and you're going to figure it out that way. The way that I fish successful, the way that Paul, Kevin, all successful, I'll do it a little differently. Mm -hmm. All did it on our own, mm -hmm. went out and put the time in. You got to put the time in to learn your stuff. You got to keep it simple, hook some lines and go from there. And uh, you'll be a wonderful fisherman. So. I, I want to add something to that. I, um, I've had days where I would catch multiple fish on one lure or on one rod, we'll say, and say it's out 25 feet. I'll go home and I'll, I'll pull out 25 feet and actually measure it to make sure my reel is re at 25 and son of a, at sometimes it's at 30, you know, mm -hmm. it's off. So when I go to, when I go to next time to do it and I put a different bait on that I think gets down to that level with 25, I'm going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to throughout the whole, you would have never on, known that unless you did that test. And that's what it you comes know, and, down to. And Kevin's 50 is completely different than my rod. His rod at 50 might be five or 10 foot off than my. That's how you know on that, on that group text, if you're really boys, if they say not how much line is out is how, how I far mean, down are you? Yeah, that's right. That's, 
that's when you, that's when you know you 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 got boys as fishermen. Yeah. Uh, how far down are you? Mm-hmm. I'm eight foot down. Okay, I know what my eight foot is. Yes, yours is different. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a what good people, point, Vance. That's how uh, you know, and the only way to do that is to do it on your own. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, you can come out on a guide trip. You can fish with with your buddies, things like that. But the best way to learn is to go out and do it on your own. And, uh, you know, that journey is something that I hold. Those are my favorite days of fishing. Um, and I do it for a living now and, uh, that's not going to stop, but my favorite days of fishing were those, you know, days that, you know, I just completely sucked and, you know, would fish for a week on a populated body of water that, you know, you catch dozens of fish out of. I would fish there for a week and, you know, be tickled because I got to follow eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got to put that, you got to put that time in. Um, yeah. And that's how you learn the best. And, and that's going to advance you in your fishing uh, hobby or career. So, yeah, there's a reason why they say that nine, that 10% of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's, that's a true. real true, true statement. Yeah. You see it all the time. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you, there'll be areas that, you know, we're working and, and there's only a couple boats stopped and I would uh, stop catching those fish. You know, you might have 20 boats in an area, but there's a couple that are getting them. Um, and it's, those are the people that probably have put their time in, um, in the beginning stages of it. So it's never too, too, uh, too late to start that either so um anybody that watches this and is new at it the best way to do it is to just you know go out and get your butt kicked and learn from that so yeah i agree yeah that is great stuff and i i get i get a little i get a little crazy on that topic because i'm asked so much my heart rate stays down because i teach that every day though that's the i'm trying to bring it full circle here where you know yeah. <laughs> i can't yeah. really uh, you know running a guide business i can't really just yell at people like that right. <laughs> uh, i just like out where i'm at right now is i'm still getting my butt kicked that's the fun that's good these are the but, growth stages that's the best yeah and wow. i i gotta say though you know i think so last year was honestly like my first full year of just musky fishing you know aside from one steelhead trip that we took at the end of the year and you survived but, yeah and, and the thing is like the fish that I, I did fish with a lot of guys last year and i learned a lot but the fish that i caught early in the year last year was by myself it's like first couple fish that i got by myself just doing it you know, my way, trying to figure it out. And even though it was like, you know, I might've caught a 34, 35 inch fish, you know, that was probably that first and second fish was probably my favorite fish to this point, because, you know, it was was just, it was all me. And going through that, I had fished that one spot like seven days prior to that one day where I, I, you know, I hit a window and just, it was just like fish after fish after fish just follows. And, you know, it was just one of those things where I, I agree with you guys from the perspective and as a, like of a new fisherman doing it yourself and going out there and putting the time in it, it's, 
I mean, you can come back, you can throw all the information into a logbook, and it just, I don't know, man, it's so much, it's, it's so much more awesome, you know, than, than somebody saying, hey, go over there, cast this, you know, in this spot, you'll, you'll get one, you know, just grinding it out. So, you know, I can, I can attest to that. I think those are the things, time on the water and, and going through that, the, I guess the, the growing pains as a muskie fisherman, that's like, I think that might be, even though I'm still struggling, it's, it's, it's my favorite part of it. Yeah. You know, maybe someday I'll get, I'll get as good to catch fish like you guys, but. Well, we're blessed in the areas that we fish to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of that, uh, if I would go on a destination area, I want to go somewhere that still challenges me. You know, I would, I have no problem with taking a week and going somewhere and catching nothing you know it happens you know my my destination would be the georgian bay you know mm-hmm. uh what i've learned correlates the up up to the you know up to there um but you're just you're not going to get them all the time it just doesn't doesn't work that way in musky fishing and when you take a trip like that it reminds you of the beginning stages in the chase so that's it's not like we're out there catching them all the time you just gotta you you know there it once you learn it from putting your work in it's you're not afraid to do it again uh and you know so that's it i mean that's the that's the biggest biggest takeaway from somebody that's getting started into it or if somebody's even into it and not doing too well you know just hooks and lines remember that I always tell people instead of jumping out, jumping to lake to lake to lake because of the hot bite, pick a lake and learn it and learn all the movements of those muskies from spring, summer, fall, winter, and back to spring again. And, you know, I'm, I have a customer that goes to here, goes there, goes here, goes there. And he, he struggles all the time. And it's like, just stay in one lake and learn that lake. Learn as much as you can to that lake. Learn all the movements of those fish throughout the year, and you'll do better. And he, he finally started catching some fish last year from doing that. And, and, and make sure and make sure it has what you want too. Like you know, for me, bouncing all around, uh, like I every place I go, I look at them different. Like when I, I fish PA a lot, and I used to fish it an awful lot, but when I do, I'd go there. My mentality, my goal was always. I knew going in it, I'd call most, a lot of those lakes that I went to one or none trips, okay? So they were one or none trips. If I got one, it was good. I could expect to get none, pretty common. But I felt like those fish, like my average size there was, was nice. And back when Ohio wasn't kicking out a lot of big ones, I got a lot of big fish in PA. Um, so like I don't regret any of that time, but you, you got to pick what you want. Like So it's not, you could pick a PA lake it might be managed for low density, uh, but the fish will get left alone. There's not a lot of pressure. They're smart fish. They got a lot of food, uh, but you just set your goals, you know? So if that lake's got what your goals are, if you want to, I want a 48 plus out of Pennsylvania, you just do your little research, find your lake, and then do like Paul says, just learn it. You know, if you want to catch a bunch of fish, you got to go to a place that's like a fish factory right now and do that. Learn the heck out of it. You know, it's yeah. just whatever goals you want. You know? And you know what's cool? I was just thinking about after what I just said, once you start learning the musky movements, 
of a particular lake or, or two lakes, then you can go to a complete opposite lake and just by water temperature will tell you where the fish are going to be or not going to be. Mm-hmm. Because a muskie's a muskie's a muskie, right? So, so if it's 50 degrees at West Branch and you find them in the shallows and then you go a month later in PA, but it's a dark, clear lake and it's still 50 degrees, well, just because they're over here in Ohio, you have 50 degree water, so you know that they're probably a little behind, and you should be doing the same the same thing you just did a month before at Ohio. Mm-hmm. So water temperature really yeah. tells you a lot of what's going on at that particular lake. Absolutely, and if you single out one place uh, to to uh, fish at, you, you you sharpen your tools, uh, if you will. Um, and just, you know, that transcends into, into other areas around the nation. So if you do stay sediment in one area, use it and sharpen your tools and figure out the depths and, and what those, how those fish are responding. Uh, and, you know, again, you can, that can uh, correlate to other lakes down the line rather than just being hyper and, uh, you know, not using the KISS method. You just got to, you got to keep it simple. You got to practice and figure it out on your own and that'll transcend into uh, catches. So, yeah, that is the one thing I did differently this last year was I picked a spot and I stayed there. Yeah. Until I figured it out and actually remember talking to Vance about one of the seminars you did about turning around you know, I kind of did that from shore, not really turning around, but just standing still in the yeah. same spot and area. And I just beat it. And it, 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 it honestly, if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have caught fish. I would yeah, have just kept bouncing around. It's yeah. And that's, you know, when I was green and I'm sure, you know, I, I have no shame in admitting stuff like that. And I'm very transparent with that when, you know, when I would first start fishing, I'd go from this spot to the next spot, you know, take a couple casts. Oh, they're not here. You know, then go to the next one. They're not here and just go all over the place. It was it was tough uh, to comprehend. And once I slowed things down and stayed in an area and practiced and just said, hey, these are still just fish, hooks and lines. It's what are you doing? Why are you jumping up here or whatever? Mm-hmm. Stick in an area, sharpen your tools, yeah. hit it hard. The window will present itself. I'm sure, like Kevin said, he he fished three years without, you know, not doing great. And I'm looking, I'm thinking back after he said that, my first three years of muskie fishing, maybe even four, I only caught a few fish here and there each year. You know, it wasn't great. I I I almost gave up. I'm like, this sucks. That's a lot of time and money for this. <laughs> but something just kept bringing me back to that. I had to conquer it. Yeah, and it was like a goal because I almost joined the bass club mm-hmm. and started smallmouth fishing on Lake Erie because a buddy showed me. I'm like, boy, this is kick ass. Screw them muskies. <laughs> and then I go out there and I'll be like, this is like too easy. You know, you catch like twenty or thirty, and you know, in a, in a in a half a day in Lake Erie, and it's like it's no challenge. So I started, you know, not that I ever quit musky fishing, but then I'm like. All right, the bass is done for sure now. Yeah. You know, some yeah. people love that though. I mean, people. Oh, it's, it's fun. 
Yeah. I mean, this like the tournament fishermen, they will still, they would care less if they had a 50 inch muskie on their line. They I know. That three pound bat bass. Well, I got, I got invited to a bass tournament during that time. And it was a midnight tournament and I was a guest. So I was on someone else's boat and we lost by like a half ounce and it was fun. It was cool, but yeah. For the musk, you got to like the hunt though. It's the hunt. Yeah, that's I mean, what it it's is. the hunt. Yeah. I, I like people that I take out and they're like, I thought I was going to fight better. Oh, uh, we could go do something else down. Like you just got no idea. Like I just yeah. made it a little too easy for you. You didn't have to work for this. The rod buzzed off. You grabbed it and you wound it in and you're like, I thought they were going to be a lot stronger. You're in it for the wrong reasons. Like it's nice when you put in that work because then you really appreciate it. That ropes you in, and then you're all about the hunt. The fight. I tell people, forget about the fight. The fight's cool, but it's it's the hunt. You just want that fight. You know. That's the, to be quite honest with you, I hate the fight. It is the yeah. most paranoid paranoid time on the water. Um, yep. I want that muskie in the boat that quickly. Yeah, I do not want to fight the fish. The longer that fish is on the line, the advantage to the fish. I agree. That's right. You know, yeah. So it's all about pattering. Yeah, you, know? you want you want to fight? Go for king salmon. Yeah. Seriously. Use some light line monofilament and go at it. Yeah. That'll you'll crank crank them in. Oh, we we forgot. You still got another question. Yeah, it's really. It's I mean, literally, <laughs> literally, musky fishing is the like least appealing carp fishing is more popular than than musky yeah. fishing we are the smallest niche it's true in the fishing industry there is no doubt about it but it takes a certain breed you gotta work for it and learn on your own but continue to that that last question right well the last question was basically to wrap things up here i wanted to ask paul where we can find boss shad where, where can guys get them? Because I, I know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are looking to get into the sport. They're looking for a good lure. Well, you can go to bossshad.com and go to my website. And you can also go to TRO and he carries the crime boss in four and a half inch resin with a rattle. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh, we so, didn't talk about rattle earlier. Yeah, we didn't talk about rattle. I got a lot of tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> you know. All right, bossshad.com. Bossshad.com. Three S's. Three S's. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, that's all that's all the questions I have. Is there any is there anything else you guys want to cover tonight? We could probably yeah. stay on all night. We can. <laughs> got, this is easy. I got four more beers. <laughs> all right guys so first and foremost let me just thank kevin vance and paul for coming on tonight and talking boshad and giving us all this tremendous information this was really fun i had a blast with you guys talking fishing so thank you guys very much for taking the time to do this you know on a weekend i appreciate it thank you oh, thanks it was, it was fun. fun all right guys so you want to find boshad go out to boshad.com Check these pretty little baits out, the, the big ones, the small ones. So many choices to pick from. Absolutely. I do like that one a lot. <laughs> oh, here it is. Absolutely okay. get crushed. Look at All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, wow. Wow.
How about that video cast? Was that not awesome? <laughs> I mean, guys, again, I can't overstate this. I am super thankful for this opportunity. You know, thank you to Paul, to Kevin, and to Vance for coming on my YouTube channel and talking musky fishing for the last hour and a half. And really, you know, talking boss shad, again, a staple in the musky community, a bait that has been catching fish for years and years and years, and not just fish in general, but giants. You know, the giant fish that you see Kevin catching in the US and in Canada have been caught on boss shads. You know, these are just things that are fun to talk about. Stories are fun to hear. You get some good information on where to run baits, when to run these things. Um, you get good information, you know, through just tips and tricks, like for new musky anglers. The, the guys talked about some of those routine things that can make a huge difference to you guys as fishermen, you know, just by checking your line on your reels and just by taking the time to learn a bait and really consider these tools. You take the time to use and learn the tools, it's gonna help you produce more fish. You know, the last hour and a half was awesome. Got to hear some really cool stories of how these guys met. Got to hear some cool stories about particular fish being caught. You know, the best days on Bosch ads. I mean, really, this was so much fun for me. And at times I was just sitting there with a smile on my face, just taking it all in. Because again, these guys just have so much experience. They're just so down to earth and they're willing to talk and share this information to really help everybody learn something new. Hopefully you guys liked this video. If you did, hit that like button for me. You like this format, leave me a comment, let me know. Let me know what I'm doing good, let me know what I'm doing bad. Um, you know, anything in general. I just wanna get some feedback on these because I really think this is a fun way to engage fishermen and bait makers in our local area and really try to bring you guys some unique information you know, and get outside of that, me sitting in my office just talking about fishing. This lets you guys hear it from other perspectives and some really talented people, again, right here in our local areas. If you guys like the content overall, please subscribe to my channel. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you guys that have supported me and continue to support me. Uh, we're gonna keep doing this thing as long as it stays fun and as long as you guys feel like you're getting something out of it and you like these videos. Again, special thanks to Paul Frasterio. Um, thank you, Paul, for coming on and talking Boss Shad and your products. Uh, another thanks to Kevin and Vance. Thank you guys for coming on and supporting Paul. Had fun, had a blast talking fishing and looking forward to continue to do more of this. So one last thing, guys, go out to BossShad.com. Check out Paul's line of baits. Check out the Crime Bosses for spring. Check out the four and a halfs as a standard. You guys can go to the sevens. You can go to the minnows. You guys can put in special requests for some of those bigger baits that Paul showed you, including the jointeds. You know, this is just an awesome product that he makes that's been an awesome product for a long time. So go out to BossShad.com, check those baits out, including the 10th anniversary baits, the OGs that are on the site. Um, you guys heard it first from the guys we had on tonight. Those baits are absolutely killer. So go check out BossShad. I guess all that's left to say, guys, is we're going to keep grinding. We're going to keep doing this. Got a couple more video casts scheduled for this week. Hopefully we can bring you some awesome info 
and just really talk about fishing and give you guys something entertaining to watch. So until then, we'll just say tight lines. We will see you next time.